but I'm so glad you guys are here. You're alive. You're awake. You're not at 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 home, passed out from the turkey infection that we often get, and we take a nap. If you look around and you notice a person who's not here, just send them a text saying, "You faker! I know you're not sick. You're actually home, just taking a little a little rest, and you're in a coma." But um. But I'm, at, I, I'm actually am sick, okay, so I warn you, I have a stomach bug, I'm contagious, uh, do not come by me. This thing's get, 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 giving, was actually the worst one I've ever had, because this certain bug that I have is weird, yo, like, it's the weirdest thing I've ever experienced in my life. Right now, I look, sound, and feel about 90% good. The minute I eat food, it changes. The minute I, I eat any type of food, my body gets mad. And when it gets mad, it heats up, it gets nauseous and dizzy, and my stomach feels like it's about to explode, and I roll around in pain. Last night, my dinner was a bowl of soup, y'all. I had a bowl of soup at 4 o'clock in the afternoon because that's the only time I could eat, and then I couldn't fall asleep till 4 o'clock in the morning, roll around in pain. The worst Thanksgiving I've ever had, but Lord, don't. Don't mishear me. I'm still thankful. I'm alive. I'm health. I'm healthy. I'm with family. I found out that I have gastroflitis, I think, whatever that thing is. I need some bone broth and, and Zantax. Is that right? So Savannah, something about it. But y'all did not hear, uh, did, did, did not come here to hear me complain about my illnesses and my sicknesses. I just wanted to warn y'all, don't hug me. Don't shake my hand. I give you an elbow. Keep the distance. We'll do one of these things from afar, and we will be fine. Your family will not be contaminated. But it's been a minute since I've been here. It's been a while. It's been a few months since, since Brian, Brian, Brian has invited me back. And I wish I felt more like, oh, Matt, come preach here. I think what happened is he thought, who's the only guy not on vacation who can come and preach? I thought, oh, Matt, he's young and poor, so he can come here. And preach. So I wish it was like an honorary thing, but I think it's like who was just available. No, I'm kidding. Brian Haas is on vacation. Though, if you think about it, send him a text, send him a message, and tell him that you love him and you miss him. But it has been a minute since I've been here, and I'm excited to be back to the Dawson Church. So I wanted to update y'all on a little bit of my, of my, of my, of my life and what God has brought me over the last like six years of my life, because here I am standing on a stage with a microphone about to preach from the Word of God. Like, that's weird. That's so weird. I never thought that of my life. I never thought this is the place where God would bring me. I never thought I would trust God. I never thought I would believe in this Christianity thing and this God thing, but here I am now. I, I wanted to be a zoologist. I wanted to be an engineer. I wanted to be a physicist. Those were things that excited me. Those were things that intrigued me. Those are things where my passions were. But something took place in my life, a pivotal point, a divine appointment that changed it all. And it takes place in a lot of us who preach the word of God. It takes place in a lot of us who decide to work in the local church. It's something that takes place, which is not even a day thing. It's more something takes place, and then there's a process until we come to the acceptance and the realization that this is what God wants for us in our life. And for me, it all took place when I met this guy named Brad. I was 17 years old, uh, and Brad was the first youth pa pa 
pastor that I, that I ever had. That's right. I became a Christian when I was 17 years old. I was on the late side of the train to become a, a, a Christian, which was kind of, you know, cool and exciting. I'm thankful because I got to, to, to do all of the, the bad things with, without guilt or shame in my life. Because if you're not a Christian, guilt and shame really don't make sense. If you're not a Christian, sin does not really make sense when you think about it. There's no standard of right or wrong unless if you kill a person. I guess that's where where humanity as a whole would generally say, okay, that's the line. You can't do that. But if you want to take a candy bar from the store, why not? So I took a candy bar from the store, and I did not feel bad about it. But I became a Christian when I was 17 and this guy named Brad, first youth pat, pat, pastor that I ever had, saw something more inside of me. Saw something more than just a troubled kid from the hoods of Miami. Saw something more than just a kid who made a lot of jokes and, hide his, and hid his emotions and his feelings and his fears behind jokes. He gave me a chance after chance, after chance to serve God and to lead. I don't mean like a chance like I betrayed him or nothing. He just gave me a chance, and I would take it. I'd do it to preach, to lead, to serve, uh, to be invested in a, in, a small, in, a, in a small group, to do countless things. And he continued to provide me with these chances to grow in my relationship with Jesus, to grow my understanding of Jesus, to grow in who I was becoming. Brad took countless times to invest in me with love, with care, with intentionality. He made a relationship with me that affects me to this day. He's actually now my closest friend that I have on the face of this earth. And it all started with the relationship that Brad invested in me with. It all took place when Brad saw something a little bit more inside of me that most pe- 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 people could not see. Most people didn't want to see. Brad saw something else, and he knew that investing in a relationship was the most important thing for me. So here I am now because of a relationship that one random guy who came into my life thought, was more important than a lot of things on earth. Sure, he could have spent more time playing basketball or video games or with his wife or with his cat. There's a lot of things Brad could have done with his time. But he thought it'd be more important to invest his time into me. And it was in that moment, in those years, I spent with with Brad that my whole life changed. And I remember the first time I preached the word of God it was awful. It was downright awful, but it was fun, and I enjoyed it. And he asked me to preach again when I was 17 to students, to my peers, to my friends, and I accepted it, and I did it, and it was slightly less awful. And I kept on doing it and leading and leading and leading, and here I am today. And the point why I tell you this is to, is to stress to severely stress how important a relationship is. Do not underestimate or downplay the power that a relationship has in your life, in my life, in anyone else's life. 
on this earth. A relationship can completely change a person and steer them in a direction that they never thought they could go. That you never thought they could go. It can completely change a person to know Jesus Christ more and build that relationship with Jesus Christ. I think that we learn about the power of a relationship throughout God's word. There's countless times where we see what relationships do. There's Moses and Jacob, right? There's, uh, there's Paul and Timothy. There's Jesus and the disciples. There's David and Jonathan. Like countless times throughout the word of God, we see relationships matter. And they play a huge role in life and in eternity. And there's a relationship that I think we often overlook in the Bible, and it's Naomi and Ruth. Naomi and Ruth had a relationship that was so special, so special that it changed Ruth's life forever. And often we say, oh, Ruth, you're the best, because, you know, Ruth was good. She did the right thing when everyone else did wrong. She was obedient. She's disciplined, trustworthy, hardworking, she was dedicated. She was overall just great. She was cool. She has a book named after her. But Naomi gets overlooked a lot. And we're going to read exactly what Naomi did in Ruth's life that kind of changed everything for Ruth. So if you have um, your Bibles, turn to the book of Ruth chapter 1. While you do that, I'm going to go ahead and pray for us. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you so much for allowing us to come here this morning and fellowship with those around us to worship your holy name. And as we just sung out, you are worthy of all of that, Lord. Lord, my prayer is that as we hear from your word and the message you have for us all, that we could take a little bit away and apply it to our lives so we can grow closer and closer to you. Lord, I pray for any pain or sickness or hurt that's in this room right now, that we can lift it up to you and you alone, and we can have ultimate peace and trust in, in, in you and your patience and your provision and your guidance and your love that you care about our every single need. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen. So majority of my life is like jokes. I tell a lot of jokes. I love jokes. And Bible jokes are some of my favorites. So here's a good joke that you guys might enjoy. And if you know it, don't ruin it. Don't shout it out. Just act dumb, okay, because I really like this joke. It's one of my favorite jokes on earth, period. So please don't ruin this moment for, for, for me. What type of man was Boaz before he met Ruth? He was a ruthless man. Right? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Here's another one. I have a second one. I could go on for this whole time on Bible jokes, but I'll only give you guys two because the second one is truly my favorite one. I heard a second laugh in there. You really enjoy that. I appreciate that. Um, who's the funniest man in the Bible? It's Samson. He brought the house down. Right? That's funny. That's funny. That one usually gets a bigger laugh. I got a third one. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. There we go. Majority of my life is jokes. So we're going to learn about Naomi and Ruth, starting in verse 16. But before we, we, we read that, I have to explain how we got to this verse, because starting in verse 16 is a little bit weird. Um, so what happened 
is there was a famine in 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 Israel way back when a few thousand years back you know like whenever this time 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 was and food was very scarce so Naomi her husband and her two sons they said hey I don't have a stomach bug I want to eat food and not get sick so we got to hightail it out of this place to a land that has food because we really enjoy it so they left and they and they fled to a land called Moab now Mo 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 Moab was just this different land. They dressed in a different way. They talked in a different way. They worshipped a different god. They were just overall different and looked down on by the nations around them, especially by by it is 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 Israel too, because they opposed God. But they thought, hey, this is a safe place for us to go and reside in. So let's go there. And Naomi's sons actually actually married two girls from that town, from from the nation. Well, her husband died, and her two sons died, so she felt alone. It's just her and her daughter-in-law. So she thought, hey, I'm not really comfortable here without my husband, without my, I mean, they were my protection, they were my income, they were my household, they were my love, they were my family. Maybe I should go back home to a place where I feel safe and loved, and I have a God there who loves me, who I know, who I want to 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 serve. So they pack up and then they start to walk back to their to their hometown, and her daughter-in-laws actually join her, Ruth and Orpah. That's a weird name, I know, but it's a biblical name. And they came, and along this this path, Naomi kind of felt a little bit bad, I suppose, because she took them from their home, from their from their from their hometown, and she knows exactly what that feels like, because she just went through that same exact thing of going to a foreign land. So she makes a statement, and she says, "If y'all want to go back home, go back home. Your husbands are dead." There's no ties that we that 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 we that, that we have now. There's no point in you continuing this journey with me. So they so she gives them a a a choice. Come with me if you want. I won't really say no, but I encourage you and instruct you to go back home. So here we pick up in verse 16. But Ruth replied. Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When... When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. That is beautiful. What took place there is the cause and effect of a very intentional and deep relationship that Naomi made with Ruth. Now, the text, it doesn't say this exactly, but it's the only thing that makes sense to me why Ruth would continue with 
Naomi and why she would say such strong and passionate words and why Orpah would go back home to Moab, why she would not continue. Because Naomi probably invested a little bit more time in Ruth. Naomi probably had a little bit more laughs with Ruth than she did with Orpah. Naomi probably taught Ruth a little bit more about life and how to live and survive and everything she knew about the things she knew. I didn't know what she knew, but she taught her and trained her. And there was a relationship that took place between them that caused Ruth to abandon her old way of life, that caused Ruth to sacrifice everything she had in her hometown where she was known and comfortable and safe and secure to do all of that, to go on a journey where she didn't know what she was going to get herself into. I mean, she's a Moabite. She's not liked by her nation, by by her birthright, she's not liked simply because she's a Moabite. And she's going to go to the people of God who her nation is attacking and oppressing and trying to get in, 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 into and they're worshiping a different God. And she's going to go to that nation like that's a suicide. That's foolish. That's crazy. But the relationship that Naomi had with her far surpassed all her fears and doubts, and worries. And something very special took place in their lives that caused Ruth to make this choice. See, oftentimes, um, we think of, of, of the teenage group as the Moabite lamb, right? They're kind of this part that we look down on, they're kind of involved in the society we live in, but not really, they're reckless, they're troublesome, they're different. Teenagers, I don't think that of you guys, okay, I'm not saying I do, people do, I got y'all, I'm looking out for you guys, but teenagers are often looked in such a way that they're looked down upon, and they're really, they're they're, they're mocked and they're ridiculed, and we're just confused. We don't know what to do whatsoever. That's not the case for me, though, because youth men is actually the only thing I ever want to do in my life. For those of you who don't know, I recently became the student pat, 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 pastor here about a few months back, um, and that's not something I want to do for like a short time or a temporary time. This is my end goal. This is my dream job is to serve in, 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 in youth for the rest of my life, which is a hard thing to find in youth men because oftentimes in the, in the church, pe- pe- people will use youth as a stepping stone to gain experience in their church career. They often start in kids, then they move on to middle school, then high school, and young adults. Then you become a blind hoss, and you're an adult pat, pat, pastor. That's great for some who want to do to 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 do that. But a spoiler alert, and no offense, but I never want to pastor adults. I don't. I say that in a joking way. I want to pastor students. That's where my heart is. If you're a family and you have a student, I'll pastor you as a family and minister. But if you don't have a student, that's Brian's job. That's what he does, not me. 
Of course I say that in a joking way. I see some faces like, what are you doing up there then? Why are you okay, no, 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 no. I don't mean that, you know, to the T. I say that very loosely. Hey, loosely T. I just thought of that. That's funny. Um, but no, no. Youth is my end goal. The degree that I have is in youth men. The degree that I got focuses on youth and how to counsel them and disciple them and teach them and mentor them and build a relationship with them and them alone, which is kind of cool. But majority of society views them as this troublesome sector that we live with, not really in, um, and we don't really know what to do with, 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 with them half of the time. So we let them do what they want, and we try to teach them and instruct them. Uh, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. We have to cross our fingers and hope that in the long run they turn out to be great, which that's a good, that's a good goal. That's a good, that's a good wish. Um, but the truth is a lot of us don't have relationships with teenagers. A lot of us don't take time to actually get to know them. A lot of times we don't take the time or the energy in our life to invest in in them now to make them great now, not in the long run, not crossing our fingers, but actually take time to show them that we feel them, that we care, that we feel for them. And what we try to do is we try to have in influence in their life when we don't even have a relationship with them. And what I think we learn from Ruth and Naomi is relationships carry influence in life. I've actually experienced that myself. Relationships carry influence in life. Brad could have never played the role in my life if he never took time to build a relationship with me. He could have never told me, hey, Matt, you're acting out right now, like you're being a real jerk, stop that, if he never had a relationship with me and with me. Just think back to this, to the parents in Ross who's shopping and they see a kid who's acting out and they go up to that kid's mom or their or their or their dad and they say, you really need to tame your kid. You really need to get that kid under control. Here's how you do it. You will look at that person like they were crazy. Like, you're a stranger. You don't know my kids. You don't know my family. Like, I'm not going to pay attention to you. That's because there's no relationship there. But if someone who you're hanging out, you're hanging out with, who you've known for 10 years says, hey, I would advise you to do this, this, or this, and this situation, you might be more likely to pay attention to the words that they say. It's the same thing for the culture that we live in. And sometimes even in the household, there's not a relationship between the parents and the kids. There's more of an employee and, an, and a bossing that's going on where it's just orders, 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 and there's no real investment in a relationship to care and nurture for a child. And I'm not saying that's you right now. I'm saying sometimes that's the case in households, and it's very, very, it's very sad. And all it takes is a relationship to have influence in someone's life to be able 
to direct them, to be able to grow them, to be able to point them in a direction that they never thought was possible. But oftentimes we try to have the influence without the relationship because it's easy to tell a person what to do. Sit down, stand up, clean my car. Like, it's easy. It's easy. But it's harder to build a relationship. That takes time and energy and effort. But you can't have influence in someone's life if you don't have a relationship. You need a relationship. Once you have a relationship and you have influence in someone's life, then the influence you have points to direction. Once you have that, once you built the relationship and you're able to have a voice in their life, you can point them to a direction. Ruth and Orpah had a choice. They had a direction. Go to Moab, which is a nation where people died not knowing God, where people live in rebellion to God, where people live whatever life they want to. Sounds fun. Sounds easy. No obligation, no strings attached. Let me go to Moab. That's the obvious choice for the majority of people. Or come with me to Judah where you obey God, you worship God, you do kind things because that's what we do as Christians. We do kind things because it's Christ inside of us. The choice is yours. The direction is yours. But there was a relationship between one of these girls that influenced the direction that she picked. Actually, the relationship she had with both of them influenced the direction that they went and the choices that they made. The neglect that you have on someone's life could be the thing that pushes them away. Or the investment that you have could be the thing that directs them closer and closer to God, to be called children and people of God, to know who Jesus Christ is. Influence points to direction. And then we can help those around us grow closer to God and lead them on a path to Judah which is a metaphor here for just the nation of God, the people of God. It's us in this room right now. Like, we're that. We're living it out right now. And you can help those in your life get to the place you are at and the direction you're going just on a relationship you have with that person and the investment that you make in their life. And hopefully for us, the direction that we lead points to God. Hopefully for us, direction leads to God. It should lead to God. Just think about the domino effect that could take place by investing in one soul. You know, there's a story that no one really knows if it's true. I don't think it was ever addressed, but there's this preacher who was at a at a at a conference or a or a crusade um, and his goal was to save as many souls as he possibly could. He was sharing the gospel, evangelizing. There's people there who never heard 
the gospel and wanted to know more about who Jesus Christ was. Well, the conference was going on and on, and no one stepped forth to receive Christ. They might have received Christ in their hearts or heard what the preacher had to say and thought about it and went home and accepted Christ. They could have, but in that moment, in the conference, no one accepted Christ until like the very last day. This little boy, he came up to the pulpit and he walked up and he said, yeah, I kind of want to accept Christ. Well, it turns out that little boy became Billy Graham. And if you don't know who that is, he's probably the most influential preacher of our time. Led hundreds of thousands of people to, 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 to Jesus and spoke to millions. Just imagine what would have taken place if the preacher never had a relationship with the preacher before him and the preacher before him and the preacher before him. You see, the truth is we often think about the here and now, what takes, what takes place here and now. But think about eternity. Think about the longer. Think about the domino effects that could take place and everything that had to come to come to pass for Billy Graham to become who he was and his dedication for Jesus. I guarantee you it was someone who invested in him and his life and showed him more. And for those of you who don't know, Ruth became the great, 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 great grandma of Jesus. She was in the Messianic line. She was a Moabite. She wasn't even an, an, an Israelite. But something took place where God used a relationship to graft her into his people and bring us our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Remarkable, unheard of, shouldn't have taken place, but it did. And it shouldn't have taken place because she's a Moabite. She's not an, 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 an Israelite. But God used this relationship generations down the line to bring us Jesus Christ. Just think about the eternal effects you could have in someone's life just because of a relationship. Even if it doesn't take place during your lifetime, generations down the road, what could take place in someone else's life because of a relationship you invested in. Relationships have power. And what better way to build a relationship than in the local church? I tell you, if you do not serve in the local church, you're missing out. If you do not serve somewhere in church, you're missing out. It's the easiest, most fun and joyful way to build a relationship with those around you. And I'm biased, but serving in in Students is absolutely the best. It is the best. It's where you find the most fulfillment and purpose in your life. If you're sitting here right now and you feel like you've never had fulfillment and purpose in your life, I encourage you, serve. Get plugged in. It's easy. And what better place than in students is where my whole life changed. I'm sure it's where Brad's whole life changed. I'm sure it's where Billy Graham's whole life changed, and Brian Haas's whole life changed, and some of yours lives changed. Serve someplace in the local church to find that fulfillment and purpose that we all want. We all 
desire and long for because sometimes it feels like life is mundane and monotonous. Like we wake up, we go to work, we do our job, we get our kids, we make meals, we put them to bed, we go to bed and repeat. That's boring. That doesn't sound fulfilling or purposeful at all to me. That's why I work in the church because it's fun. It's exciting. Every day is different. But a lot of us don't do that, so we serve. But if you want that fulfillment and purpose in your life and you feel like you don't have that now, because some jobs are rewarding. If you're a nurse or a teacher, that's fulfilling. That's purposeful. That's great work. If you're a businessman, something else, you can find fulfillment and purpose (laughs) anywhere in your life. But sometimes we desire, we want a little bit more. What better place than the local church? Don't fight that urge anymore. Get plugged in and serve. One of the greatest joys that I have in my life right now is when a student comes to me in trust, wanting help. When a student comes to me in need, wanting to confess and wanting direction and advice and wanting to see Christ. There's very few things in this earth that can bring me more joy than that, that can make me feel more fulfilled and purposeful than serving in the local church. There's a very deep quote from Beauty and the Beast. Yes, I said that. Deep quote from Beauty and the Beast from Luminaire is during the Be Our Guest song. One of my favorite songs on this earth. It's catchy, it's fun, don't judge me. Okay, I know you guys love that song too. B, yeah, 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 I could go on and on about it. But he says such a deep quote, life is so unnerving for a servant who's not serving. What profound words from a candle. Like (laughs) Disney does not know what they're saying when they incorporated that into their movie, into their song. But we're servants of Jesus Christ, and how unnerving life is when we're servants by birthright, when we're servants by knowing who Jesus Christ is, and we're not serving our Savior. We're not serving in the local church. That's unnerving. That should create an unwrestling inside of our body. Don't fight that urge anymore. Be a part of something great. Serve in the local church someplace. Find fulfillment and purpose that I know we all want. And desire, like I said, I'm biased, but students is a great place to serve in. It's easy to feel fulfilled and purposeful in students. Serving kids. You know, there's people who put these cards on the chairs each and every week, and it seems like it's a meaningless task. Like half of us, we don't pay pay attention to that card and the information that's inside of it. But there's some who pick it out, and they fill out what they need prayer for. They fill out and let, and let us know, hey, I just accepted Christ. Imagine how awesome that, that is, that people are connecting to the local church because someone decides to volunteer and put a card on, on, a, on a chair and hopes that someone would look and read it. The most smallest things that we overlook a lot of times can make us feel the most fulfilled and purposeful and purposeful in life because that's an important task so that we know your needs and how we can partner with you guys and minister to you guys as our church. No one 
did that, I doubt that, that, that Brian would do that each and every week. Knowing Brian, he might do that each and every week. But anybody else might not put the card on the, on the chair. Serve someplace in the local church. So I'm going to do something that's a little bit weird, and I'm going to put up my, 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 eat, my, eat, my, eat, my email. If you want to serve or, or hear more about what that looks like, what that means, reach out. If you're a student who's not plugged in, reach out. I'll buy you free lunch. That's less than 15 bucks. That's a pretty good deal. Free lunch, less than 15 bucks. I mean, that's Chick-fil-A. You know, that's Panda Express. These are some of my favorite places. If you want to take me out to lunch, you know, it works both ways. But seriously, if you're a student who, who's, who's unplugged, reach out. Let's hang out. If you are a parent who doesn't know, who doesn't know, know, know me, and I mean like know me, not like, oh, Matt, he's a jokester. He preaches every now and then. Reach out. Let's get to, to know each other. Because the truth is, I'm here for you, for your students, for your families. And something even more exciting took place about a week or a week and a half back is we have a director now for here for the students, which is a huge step for the Dawson Church. Like, that's huge. And it's Jacob. And Jacob is an awesome, awesome guy. His ee email is going to be up there too. I told him this morning, by the way, I'm going to shout shout you out so you might get 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 slammed with a lot of things and people who want to meet you and get to know you and learn how they can serve and get plugged in. Reach out to him too. Get to know him because he's with your kids right now. Reaching out and building that relationship with them. Don't underestimate what a relationship can be. If you already serve someplace in the local church or you don't want to, that's a different talk for a different day. But if you just don't want to, think about someone in your life who you can build a relationship with. Someone who you work with or even in your family, in your community that you live in, who you can build a relationship with to hopefully direct them to God. Think of just that one individual who gets overlooked, that one individual who might need a, hey, how's your day? That's easy enough. Sometimes that goes such a long way when we take a little bit of time to get to know those around us. People love to talk about them. Just ask them questions about them. Get to know them. Build a relationship. It can have an effect that bleeds over to eternity. It can have an effect where they enter the gates of heaven and see our Jesus for the first time. And he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. God puts people in our life for divine appointments. God receives the glory in the end. But he uses those in our life for mysterious, awesome things that don't make sense whatsoever. Think about a relationship you can build with someone around you and build it. And once again, I'm biased, but the easiest way is students. Get plugged in and serve. Serve someplace in the local church. Bow your head and close your eyes. I'm going to go ahead and pray for us. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you so much 
for your perfect word to teach us about life, to teach us about you, to teach us about us. Lord, my biggest prayer this morning is that everyone in this room can have a relationship with someone who doesn't know you or who needs a little bit more tug in their life to know you more, to get their life on track for Judah. Lord, my biggest prayer this morning is for those who've, who've wanted to serve for four years now and who have had a desire to serve for years now can no longer neglect that call and can take up the challenge to serve you in the local church so that they can find fulfillment and purpose and joy and love in their life like they have never experienced before and ultimately so they can direct teenagers to you and they can change a culture by building a relationship, one relationship at, at, a, at a time. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We glorify by, by you for who you are in your holy name. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen.